If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, Rock Thomas here. If you followed me long enough, you know that I'm the founder of M1, a mastermind group. But what does that actually mean for you? It means that there's a group of 400 high achievers out there from all over the world walking the path to success and fulfillment in their lives together, helping each other accelerate their success through knowledge and networks, ready to help you take your life and business to greater heights. I'm really proud of the success stories, and I want one of yours to be the next one. If you're serious about getting out of your own way and creating a life you're excited about, then get on a call with my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and get started today. I have a very special guest. He's an investor. He's a real estate expert. He's a podcaster and a coach. He followed the default life plan by going to school like a lot of people do and working in a corporate job, but quickly found out like a lot of people that are listening to this that it lacked what? fulfillment. He realized that if he wasn't building his dream, he was building someone else's and he started to buy cash flowing rental properties and build a business of buying properties at a deep discount and creating residual streams of income that didn't rely on him punching a clock anymore. So today we are going to dive into his journey of no longer living a default life, but living a life by design and find out maybe how you can do this too. So please welcome to the I Movement podcast, Paul Thompson. Rock, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. So, you know, I am a big fan of what you've created in your life because so many people, one of the banes of my existence is watching people spend a big part of their life working at a job that they don't like. Mm-hmm. And even though information is so available, you would think that once the internet came around and people could just you know, research, passive income, ways to invest, things to do, that more people would go down this route. And I think some have, but it still seems to be a fraction of the population. So I want to talk today about how you got there. So usually pain breeds change. And I'm wondering if that's what happened to you or if you were just so bright and so smart that you Mm -hmm. figured it out on your own. No, I would not say I'm a, a especially clever from as an entrepreneur. In in fact, I was raised up in the traditional narrative of go to job or go to school, get a job, and that's what you do. And I was about 22 years old, and my life plan had been completed. You know, I I, I went and got a job, and I was making a respectable income. It was certainly more than my my, my parents ever made, and that's the biggest dream they had for me. And that's what I did. And it was, you know, empowering to one in one degree, but also I was facing down the barrel of 40 years of doing a job that I didn't really know I wanted to do, but for lack of better ideas for 15 years, that's what I did. And I always thought maybe, yeah. And for, for 15 years, I thought, well, maybe I'll branch out and do something on my own, but a fear of uncertainty kept me from, from doing anything serious in, the, in that area. And there was a, a moment of transformation when I realized that if I'm not 
building my own dream than I'm building somebody else's dream. And I had kids at that time and I can just kind of saw them kind of resign to their fate for me having to go back to work um, after a vacation. When I had the money to extend it, when my wife was a stay at home mom, uh, so she had the open schedule, they were on summer vacation, but we had to go back to work because daddy had to go back to school or, or to work. Um, so the vacation was over doing? with. Pardon me? What, what, what was your job? I was a telecommunications engineer, uh, middle manager. Um, and you know, it wasn't that bad of a job and that's what's our, our life. That's what's so insidious about it. It's, it's like the, the, the water or the, the frog in the water that just, it's just getting slowly boiled to death. Um, and you just don't notice how unhappy you are until something in your life triggers it. Yeah. You're never on your edge. You're not, you're not growing, being challenged, being inspired, and you just slowly fade away and you're comfortably numb. I know there's so many people. And then one day, unfortunately, often in people's forties uh, or fifties, they wake right. up and they go, okay, now I have to reinvent myself because they can see, you know, the end of their life is now more visible. The days are becoming more valuable and now they have to undo. And that's what a lot of work I do is the undoing of these trapped individuals and we all have portions of our life that are trapped. We may do really well and fulfill that work, but we're not really taking care of our body or our relationships. So you had this moment and how did you get started? Because I think this is uh, going to be a great lesson for a lot of people that maybe want to go down that path. And how long did it take before you were able to have a decent amount of cash flow coming in? So in my case, it took three years. I was um, in a five-year plan that I'd kind of engineered in my head and I was three years into it and I got laid off. Um, and I had gone far enough down that path that it, I was comfortable to continue not having a day job. So I, 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 I tell myself that I, you know, I am a successful real estate investor who no longer depends on a day job. And I have a very strong feeling that I, I will never rely on somebody else to earn my income or to give me a job. I'm, I'm going to create that for myself. Uh, the, the, the process I went through was I just said to myself, well, how much money do I need per month in order to have the basic survival? You know, for me, it was about $5,000 a month in the U S dollars. And so I had to back my way into that. How many cash flowing properties now, I didn't, I didn't, land at real estate first. And I'm, I'm not necessarily even dogmatic or religious about that real estate is the only way. It was mm -hmm. just a good way for me because I, I, I didn't have another idea. I, I, I didn't have a widget or a software package or any kind of idea, but I knew I could buy something by assets that generated income. And so I just backed my way into it and I needed 40 houses that are making $250 a month and then I would have $10,000 of income comfortably. And so when I got about three fifths of the way through that, I was pretty comfortable that I didn't need um, to have any more um, day job. And so I was just, I was doing the switch of living off of my, my uh, rental properties and not off of my uh, job. And so when they pulled the rug out from underneath me, it wasn't that scary. Where did you find the properties and are they all located in a similar area? Yeah, I, I live in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I happen to be in be very lucky in that regard in that it, it is a cash flowing property. It's, I don't live on the coasts where it, uh, it's hard to find where the numbers don't work. Right. I mean, a good deal of my um, day job, if you want to call it that, um, my, my, my passion now is outside of real estate investing. I help other people uh, who invest in real estate and most of them are in California or Boston or Florida. Um, and 
they're, they live on the coasts and they're looking to buy properties and they're afraid. Um, I was just talking with a guy last night about, um, he, <laughs> he was analyzing all these places and he wants to invest in Indianapolis and he was, um, going through analysis paralysis. I just like, stop it. Like Indianapolis is your place. Go like, stop. You know, people are so afraid because it's a long distance. Um, and I was looking at regard that I, I happen to be living in an area, but now I run my business as though I, 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 am not here. So right. I can be in Puerto Rico and I can still run my, run my business here in Little Rock. So you have somebody that manages all your properties for I you. I do. I do. Yeah. And they, the, the people that, that are renting don't necessarily know you're even the owner. That's true. Yes. Right. Okay. And what price range do you, did you start purchasing the properties at? <laughs> my, my very first property, uh, depending on where you're, you're coming from, you, you, uh, a lot of people will laugh at this, but my very first property I bought for $30,000. And it rents for six fifty, and I put about ten thousand dollars into it. So this is always fascinating to me. Being Canadian is in Canada, Montreal, where I come from. You can't buy a piece of dirt in a decent area for less than two hundred and fifty thousand right. dollars. Then you have to start the construction, mm-hmm. or you got to pay thirty thousand dollars to the city just for the right to knock down the crappy little house that's on it. So it's a completely different model. What is that house worth today? It's probably not worth much more. I mean, uh, I, I got it appraised a few months after I bought it and it was worth 55,000 and that was four years ago and it's probably still worth 55,000. Um, I'm, that's the the flip side of living in a cash flowing market is that there isn't much appreciation and this is a working class, classy neighborhood. And I mean, I have good tenants and I haven't had trouble, but there is a cost associated with buying a property that is in a cash flowing area is that it, there isn't much appreciation and the the tenant management tends to be much higher than if you're buying in a, in a high end neighborhood that's near a Starbucks. More of a turnover of, of tenants. Typically. I mean, and that, that's a general statement. Yeah, but for sure yeah. that, that tends to be the case. Yeah. Well, it's a matter of just the numbers, right? So if you're people that don't know real estate, there's a thing called the 1% rule, right? Mm-hmm. So if you buy a property for 10,000, you should really in, in, be able to rent it for $100 right. a month, not for 650. So you've got a little bit of play in there to put some money aside for future right. inconveniences and problems that would still make, uh, make that a, a great investment. Even if it's at 30,000, you're renting it for 650. So how many properties are you up to now? I keep about 25 in my portfolio. I've, um, when I first started, I wanted to have a hundred and I wanted to be this uh, big real estate tycoon. And uh, I realized that uh, owning property is, is a hassle and that it's not as passive as people make it out to be. You got to work to make it passive, (laughs) which seems like a a oxymoron. Uh, So I refer to think of it as residual income. Uh, I I have now 25 tenants that go to work every day to pay my bills instead of me going to work to pay, to pay my own bills. And do you do any wholesaling or flipping or anything like that? Yeah, I run a wholesaling business and I do occasional flips here and there. I have uh, decided that in this market cycle that we are in right now, that uh, flipping is probably not the most, the smartest idea. I think we all think that there is some sort of correction coming. So I don't want to be in the middle of a, a big flip. So right now uh, I, I wholesale almost exclusively unless I find a gym that just is like, oh, this, this thing meets the 3% rule. I'm going to buy that thing or it's just a perfect house and I'm getting at a huge discount. I'll keep that one. For the rest of them I'm wholesaling. So I know a lot of people that uh, I have a mastermind group called Go Abundance, and a lot of the people there, um, you know, you've heard of bigger pockets. 
Oh yeah, I was a guest on there one time. Yeah. Okay, great. So the two guys that host that are part of my mastermind group, Go Abundance, and a lot of uh, you know David Green wrote a book, I think, Long Distance Real Estate. Mm-hmm. And so you got a lot of people with money in California that are like probably good clients for you if you want to wholesale properties to them. Have you found that there's a lot of people from, like you said, those bigger cities that are purchasing properties in Little Rock? Yes. What was crazy is if you're coming from a market where you can't find even a shack for $300,000 when someone offers you a property for $60,000 that meets the 1% rule, you you just fall over sideways. You just don't know what to do with yourself, how, right. how amazing the opportunity is because that does cash flow. That does make money. And so, yeah, that I would say that is my primary client is somebody who is looking for safe Harbor to put their money into, to get a, a respectable a return without a lot of hassle. How do they find you? Well, I, I have my own podcast and I um, do some marketing, but most of it's uh, word of mouth. Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to run uh, a huge um, consulting business where I have uh, 50 employees and kind of thing. I, I like my freedom and I'm very careful and selective about who I work with. And, and I have just a, a list of VIP buyers of people I know, uh, uh, David Green being one of them. And when I have a deal, I reach out and say, Hey guys, I, I've got a deal. It's going to go fast. So first come first serve. And it's mostly by um, networking. And when you establish your reputation, then um, referrals are, are really all you need. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's a, the speed of trust, right? When you develop the trust, mm-hmm. then you can get through past all of the doubting and all of the verifications. And uh, you know, until you have one deal that, that goes sour, then you, you've got to mend that. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, success. People are always looking for success. I think it's not as elusive as people think, but one of the reasons that I have my podcast is so people can hear over and over and over again, people who have gotten different forms of success, what are some of the guardrails for their behavior? And you have some routines in the morning that work for you. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I am a really big believer in routines. And I like that you said routines instead of habits. Habits are powerful. And there's a lot of uh, books and a lot of content about habits right now. And there's a place for that. I think sometimes we confuse habits and routines. Uh, I think routines are, are, I'm not sure if they're more important, but there's something that you can actually um, control. It takes a long time to establish an actual habit. A habit is turning off the light switch on the way out, but it's not remembering to brush your teeth. And so there's just little routines like brushing your teeth that, that are just part of your day. And I like to stack them on top of each other. Um, so for me, I find that there are just kind of three triggers for me. The, my three keystone routines are exercise, meditation, and, and reading. I have to do some version of that so that I can be the best version of me so I can go out in the world and serve somebody. And so what time do you typically get up? I'm not that early of a riser, actually. I only get up at 6.30, but I don't really have any place to be most, most right. days, right. <laughs> um, which is by design. And um, that's I get up at 6.30, take my kids to school. Um, and it's a very important for me to be a part of their day. And then when I come home, it's about 8 o'clock, and then I, I do um, – a warm-up routine and I work out and then I do some reading and then I meditate and it's kind of in that order. And that's probably about nine o'clock is when, is when my day starts. Yeah, that's beautiful. So what do you do when you are, you know, in this town and you've got the cash flow you have, do you still yearn to grow things or are you just like, I got things figured out, man, I'm on cruise control and I'm good to go. So 
I thought that's what I wanted until I got there and then I got bored. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a story we all hear, right? I mean, how, how many, uh, you've been a part of masterminds and you, you've been around some very successful people. How many times have you heard people say, you know what, guys, I have, uh, I have achieved the mountaintop and I'm there and I'm not happy. And that's just a common narrative. And, and really what we want is, a, was, is work that is worthwhile, a purpose, you know, a happiness is, is a pursuit of a worthwhile goal. So I have found that I just really like connecting with people and helping them break free, uh, similar to what, to what you do, but I focus very specifically on real estate investors. And I want to find and help people escape their W-2 or their day job so that they can lead a life of their own design versus the default narrative that so many of, of us fall into. And that's what I find myself doing now is writing and creating content around connecting with people to help them do that? Well, we have very similar missions and we do use real estate, but what I do is I found that there's the two parts to it. There's the mindset piece and then there's the vehicle that you're going to use. And, mm -hmm. it, and, and I just introduce people to different vehicles and you could be one of those vehicles. So it'd be like, Hey, you know, what are your goals? Create a clarity, help them with you know, aligning all of those things, maybe help them with their morning routines and an evening audit and get them to communicate better with a loved person or, or a loved one or family and install these routines, rituals, habits, behaviors, whatever you want that serve them to lead a fulfilling life and then give them the, the mindset piece so that when they show up with you, they have the confidence, they put money aside that they can afford to invest when a tenant, when you call them up and say your tenant has trashed the house, that they can respond versus react in a way mm. that serves them versus being a victim to the environment. So I combine the two, but I'm always looking for people like you that I can refer my students to so that they have that vehicle that they can fast track and build up that passive or in your case, as you aptly pointed out, residual income. <laughs> I always say there's degrees to pacificity, right? It's, mm -hmm. it, even if you have money in a mutual fund and you do nothing, you need to look at it once in a while. Sure. Right? So there's just degrees to it. But for sure, you could, you could show up at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in your office and you're, there's nobody calling you saying, hey, where are you? Right? Very rarely. Uh, the, on, the only kind of demands that I have in my time is the own um, mastermind that I run that where I, I, I host it. And, right. and I do that weekly for two different sessions. That's the really the kind of only firm commitment I have, but it's the highlight of my week because I, I designed and I, uh, that to, to be uh, part of my schedule. And I have carefully selected people to be a part of that inner circle of people who are growing and it's actually quite quite a small group and it's intentional that way because I, I really want to connect and grow with people but it also gives me a lot of freedom of time yeah and i think that at the end of the day you know, we we need to solve this money problem because that's the currency of energy that we live in the old mm -hmm. days it was like you know give me the 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 wool off of the sheep and I'll give you my tomatoes and there was sure. an exchange. Now we just have money, which makes it easier for us to deal with everybody. But at the end of the day, we need to solve that problem of adding value in the world. What I've noticed with people like yourself that set their goal first to become free. Then once you become free, now you go, okay, what's life about? It's about helping other people that are mm -hmm. struggling. And then it gives you meaning. And in fact, don't you find it almost more fulfilling to help other people 
become free far, and the own path to your own freedom? Far more. You know, once you, you're not waking up thinking each morning, how am I going to make this, make this one bill or pay this one bill? And instead you're thinking about, well, how can I help somebody else so that they don't have to think about any of their bills ever again? Um, yeah. that, that is super, super powerful. And it, it takes a bit of a mindset shift to, to get to that place where you have the, the confidence in your own skills and in your, in your own capacity to help other people. Um, but, I, but to your point, it's far more rewarding than w- doing it for yourself because once you do it for yourself, you really can't do it again unless you just yeah. give it all up and try over, um, which is probably not near as much fun. Um, it's much more fun to see other people and see the light bulb go off above their head. Like, Oh, you know, like I've said that seven times already, but you, you finally got it. So little rocks is one market. Uh, I've got a buddy that uh, is pr- pretty successful doing what you're doing in Indianapolis. Why is it that these markets are cash flowing markets versus appreciating markets? Very good question. So it's kind of goes into the mechanics of real estate, but it's a function of space. It's a function of how much land you have. There's a reason they call these states the flyover states. It's because we have so much land. We can expand out with, we, you could add double the capacity of a population to Indianapolis or Little Rock or any similar type Midwest or Southeast, Southeast city. And you could just grow the land out as far as, as far as you get the eye can see quite literally. Whereas when you're in New York city, there's this 22 square mile island. The only thing you have to do is go up and you can only go up so, so far. So it's a function, it's a very simple function of, of real estate. So the land is worthless basically is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. The the land is happening there. So people are like, well, I don't really want to be there unless I have to be there. But you go to a place like Nashville, which is growing and they're, they are seeing appreciation there and they are in the Southeast, I would call it Um, part of part of the South. I was just there this last week and had some hot chicken. It was, it was awesome and a very cool city. And everywhere you see for uh, driving downtown is, I I think we counted literally 20 cranes. It should be called not music city, but crane city. Right. Yeah. Well, there's these bursts like that, that happening. Let's talk a little bit briefly about your preparing for a downturn. A lot of people that I know are preparing for a downturn. They're getting their cash ready. So we were talking about this at our event a couple of weeks ago and that there's so much cash getting ready that once there is a sizable dip, what if all of a sudden now people start throwing money at that? We don't feel that it will be nearly as bad as 2008. What's your perspective on that? I certainly hope it won't be as bad as 2008 because that, that was, it was a, a severe thing for our country to go through. But I, I think we are due. There's a lot of data that would suggest that, that it's, it's due this year. And so with that being in mind, it's not time to be going out and, and doing any kind of investment that's, that's thinking about potential appreciation. It's okay to invest for cash flow and on the raw numbers because the, typically speaking in most places, the rental uh, portfolios or the, rent, the rents don't get impacted too much. That's more a function of income. So yes, I think it's an appropriate time for you to be thinking about diversifying from anything that you think is, has already played out, whatever that might be. Now, how bad will it be? My crystal ball is as bad as opaque as yours. I'm sure. I I don't think it would be as bad. And if you do have cash that gives you the flexibility to kind of, uh, so if you're an investor and you're already financially comfortable sitting on some cash is, is appropriate. If you are in the middle of trying to grow any sort of investment and you're in the growth phase of your life, this is not the time to be um, 
dabbling in things you don't understand. Uh, invest in what you want, what, what is simple and don't plan on appreciation. And I think it is really important now to be continuing to work on the skill set it takes to find discounted properties in, 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 my, in my discipline. But it could be any sort of uh, buying businesses or stocks or anything. If you learn how to buy things at a discount in a good market, then you'll be all the easier to buy things at a discount in a down market. And what is your knowledge around an election year and the impact it has on the typical economy? Do we have election years where we get crushed or is it a little bit more about the politicians padding and protecting things? They, they tend to do well because especially when there's a change, uh, you know, when there's a change, uh, people tend to think there's a good thing about to happen. Even if they don't like who got elected, uh, typically um, there is this sense of, well, things are going to change. So, so is the economy. And we tend to think it's going to do well. Uh, but I, I am not particularly a fan of trying to uh, invest around the political atmosphere because you can't affect the political atmosphere. I, I like to focus on less timing the market and spending time in the market because any sort of investment should be thought of as a long-term play. If you're putting money into stocks, bonds, business, it should not be for a five-year or less play. It should be thinking five years out for which you have no anticipation of what's actually going to happen. Very cool. How can people get in touch with you if they, if they want to learn more about your mastermind or perhaps uh, talk to you about uh, becoming one of your VIP uh, buyers? Buyers. Yeah. VIP buyers. Uh, so I have a podcast called Ready Investor One that talks about the mindset and mechanics of real estate investing. I, I talk very specifically about real estate because that is my area of expertise. And if you want to learn more about that, you can text the word investor to the number 33777 and you'll get on my list. I'll send you a, a free uh, 357 power pack list that shows you uh, three steps to getting uh, started in real estate, five tools that I use and the seven steps to success. Okay, so what is that number again, 33777? That's right, and text the word investor. Investor, okay, so they can do that, that's awesome. Hey, I really want to thank you for dropping by and sharing with us this knowledge. It's right up our alley. People like you are a great example of somebody that has broken the mold that we believe is very breakable. And there's so much real estate out there to be owned by an individual that they can get to the financial freedom. And you're a great example. So um, I really appreciate you coming by and sharing your, your wisdom and experience with us. Well, thank you for your, the opportunity. And I want to remind our listeners that, you know, during the time that we were discussing this, um, you mentioned a few times, I am a real estate investor and uh, a few I am statements that refer to the fact that you have freedom and you can do what you want. And the words that follow I am create your identity and your identity is what, how you show up in life. So I'm glad that you languaged it that way because it's evidence and proof that the philosophies of my first book, The Power of Your Identity, really do come into play. And a lot of people are just not conscious of it. They're like, well, I am, you know, they've invested so much money in four years of education that they want to get a return on that for the rest of their life, even if it's not working. And I say to people, if you go to a really bad movie, you're 20 minutes into it and you spent 20 bucks on the movie or what have you, are you going to sit through the rest of it just to get your 16 bucks worth or is your time more valuable? You're going to walk out even if you can't get a refund and do something more effective and productive with your life. 
So thanks for being an example of living your life by design. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.